0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mliho Kavaza, and for today, we're getting back into a world that uh, we were, you know, quite on top of, you know, back in the day. But I am, uh, you know, loath to say that we had uh, fallen off a little bit on our crypto coverage, um, you know, on this platform, the world of uh, cryptocurrencies, the world of the blockchain. And, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we can get get back into you know a lot more of uh, you know that type of content so for today we are going to be chatting to the team from valor Uh, they are um, you know according to some of the data that we have seen uh, they say that they are the largest south african crypto exchange by trading volume and we're just going to be chatting with them they have a new partnership uh, that they recently signed with the visa and uh, we're just going to be trying to understand what's going on in the World of crypto, but also at the same time, you know, what this uh, partnership actually means for the ordinary person out there. So, to help us to, you know, make sense of it all, we are joined by uh, Fazam um, Esani, who is uh, Valor's co founder and CEO. And, uh, you know, he's joining us on the line. Fazam, greetings to you today.
1: Greetings. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here.
0: Now, thank you so much, you know, for being with us. Um, I think a good place for us to start, you heard us at the beginning. Most of the time we want to understand the context within which our our experts and our guests are coming from. So maybe you could give us a better understanding of what Valor is. Um, you know, you heard me intro introing it earlier on, but, you know, as the CEO, how do you, um, you know, describe Valor?
1: Sure. So yeah, we are a cryptocurrency exchange, the largest by trading volume in South Africa and Africa. Um, What that means is that we're a venue, a trading venue, and trading, by the way, just means buying and selling. So we're a trading venue where buyers and sellers, whether it's individuals or institutions, can come to our platform, sign up, buy and sell uh, over 50, 60 cryptocurrencies or crypto assets, whatever you wish to call them. Um, and we basically provide the technology to facilitate the transactions between our customers. So we don't actually trade with our customers. We're just the platform. And then uh, you know buyers and sellers trade. The equivalent in the traditional space would be someone like the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. They provide the technology and then their customers will buy and sell uh, stocks on their exchange, so we do that, but we do a little bit more as well. We have uh, something called Valor pay, which allows people to make uh, payments in Czar or crypto for free of charge, fast and immediately um you know to any cell phone number, email address or valor pay i d we allow people to do auto, auto buys, which means you can buy directly from your bank account, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are a lot of different uh, uh, products and services, but the main point is that we offer services and a bridge from the traditional financial services industry, which is, you know, your dollars and your rands, into the cryptocurrency industry to be able to for people to be able to buy those assets and enter into this world.
0: Uh, now, Fazam, one of the reasons why we were quite keen, you know, to chat to you is because, um, you know, every Friday we try, by all means, to look at, uh, you know, the state of the economy, um, in South Africa. And over the last uh, couple of weeks, one of the things that uh, we have been getting into quite a bit is where. Uh, people can actually place their money in the current economy. It's no secret that um you know things are tough out there uh for a lot of people, so capital allocation, where to put your money, where to invest is a huge discussion uh that is being had you know from the biggest corporates, the biggest fund managers, all the way right down uh to the ordinary man on the street. Before we get into i guess the news around your partnership with Visa, maybe you could talk to us about how crypto is doing as an asset class right now and particularly for South Africans, you know, how, uh, you know, what is the market like?
1: Sure. It's a a great question. And I think there is a search for yields across the world to see how we can allocate capital, the crypto markets. And I'll talk, talk specifically about Bitcoin because it's easier just to talk about one particular asset rather than making generalizations and Bitcoin is the largest crypto asset that exists. Um, it, it accounts for just close to about 50% of the value of all cryptocurrencies in general. Uh, and, and all the cryptocurrencies, just for the education of our listeners, is over one trillion US dollars at the moment. So talking about performance, uh, first of all, it's important to note that this uh, asset class is still in its infancy, which means that there's a lot of volatility still. Um, At its height, the price of Bitcoin went above a million rand. Right now, the price is sitting at 558,000 rand. Uh, In dollar terms, it went up to $69,000, and and it's sitting around $28,000 at the moment. If you look at returns uh, over the past month, uh, Bitcoin is up 5.9%. If you look at the past six months, it's up 7.5%. And if you look at the past year, uh, Bitcoin is up 55%. So those are quite uh, impressive numbers. But you also have to remember that those are, those are the numbers from a year ago, which was close to the low of, of where we were in the cryptocurrency space. So there has been quite a significant recovery. So if you had bought, obviously, beforehand uh, from a million, you'd, you'd be down about 45% now. But if you had bought at the bottom, you'd be uh, up close to 60%. So that volatility is is incredibly important for people to understand. And that it's also important to always reiterate publicly that cryptocurrencies and crypto assets are not a get-rich-quick scheme. We do not advocate for that. Um, you, You need to understand the asset class, understand the volatility, understand what type of risk appetite you have to allocate your assets into this asset class. And with all that knowledge, you can make a decision that's informed.
0: All right, it is a very interesting space, um, you know what's happening in uh, you know cryptocurrencies, and I think later on we can discuss, you know, what the current price levels, you know, mean. I think we're around uh, twenty eight or so thousand dollars, uh, you know, uh, you know, for Bitcoin. Once upon a time, people, you know, thought that uh, we could easily touch fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, but you know, who knows where we are in the market right now? But I want to switch over to. I guess, everyday utility, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrency, because, um, you know, for a long time, uh, people did think of um, crypto and specifically Bitcoin, you know, in the realm of get rich quick, in the realm of, uh, you know, scams, all of this uh, negativity that, uh, you know, was laden over, um, you know, cryptocurrencies. But over time, uh, there's a lot more confidence coming up with a number of different use cases. Uh, for how you know crypto can actually be used apart from you know as a store of wealth, there was always that debate of you know how how do we actually make use of this thing? So now that uh, you know we're at a point where I think earlier on you said that one of the things that Valor does is um, you know payments, um, you know the ability to actually exchange goods and services you know through crypto. How is that going, and where does your partnership now with Visa actually fit into that broader? Strategy? strategy?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, payments is starting to grow, that is for sure. Um, We have also just announced before we get into the visa news, uh, a few weeks ago, we announced the ability of all of our customers to be able to pay for their groceries or anything else at pick and pay at 1,500 stores nationwide in South Africa. So that's another kind of uh, milestone in this Journey towards making cryptocurrencies more accessible and more available to be able to make payments and day to day transactions um, the visa news which is which is great news that we announced just a few days ago is really um, you know visa is pretty much one of the largest if not the largest kind of payments company in the world from the perspective of their reach and their network uh, you know across all banks across all geographies etc and so they have they're very interested by the way also in the crypto space they've been in, this, in the crypto space for many years and be doing very innovative things in this space and so given their payments experience given our crypto expertise we thought a strategic partnership would be very helpful in progressing exactly what you're talking about which is the flow of money right using their network using our our technology and so there are a couple of areas that we're currently looking at, uh, and more announcements will, will be made in the future. But the first one is just a, a, a card, an issuance of a card uh, for our customers. It's still in its early days. There are others that need to come on board for it to happen, which is you know uh, issuing banks, et cetera. But uh, the intention is to, to look at cards for customers in which they will be able to swipe. It could be a credit card. It could be a debit card. Um, but there could be also, um, you know, rewards in cryptocurrency uh, rather than just you know points that you would get in, at other providers. Then the second thing is looking at just advanced digital payments in general. Visa has a, a bunch of different options that they use to move money and value around the world. We do too in the cryptocurrency space. And so when we put those two capabilities together. Our aspiration, or let me say, my aspiration, is that I think globally the ability to send money and value to people uh, across distance A is too expensive, and B is too slow. And so, what we're trying to do is to reduce the costs that customers incur when they're making payments, and then B is we want to make it as seamless as sending an email. So that that partnership is very exciting. We will be making some announcements. Uh, in the future, but we wanted to just let the world know that uh, our intentions and our strategies are aligned to, to work together uh, as two players, uh, in our, or two big players in our respective industries.
0: A little bit of a technical one. Um, when you do that, uh, let's say a card, uh, let's say Mudiwa is a customer and I come and I say, dear Vela, can I get a, a, a card? Who's the issuer in this particular process? There
1: are, different, there are different types of models uh, that one could look at. One could look at partnering with a bank as well. And the bank itself is uh, co-brands a card with Valor. And then the bank is using its own balance sheet to make loans. But Valor is using its own technology and platform to provide the exchange into the uh, reward cryptocurrencies, as an example. The second thing is looking at debit cards, where actually cards are associated and debit Amounts directly in a valor account, so it's not a credit card, but it's a debit card, so those details are still to be uh determined, so we don't want to you know preempt any kind of uh announcements there, but there are different kind of permutations that you can look at between credit cards and debit cards, and different ones have different purposes uh and different pros and different cons
0: all right, cool, very keen to then get your thoughts uh you know Fazam around um I guess, using crypto as a, as a means for day-to-day payments. As I alluded to earlier on, there was always that debate of, do you use, um, you know, do you view cryptocurrency in the realm of uh, fiat currency, or do you use it, uh, you know, in the realm of a store of wealth, sort of like gold? And uh, right now, it seems that people are kind of playing around with both. On the side of Dealing with it as a, as something that you can use on a day to day basis for trading. South Africa as a market, obviously, you guys have seen something, you know, some traction of some sort, um, you know, for you to be able to firstly um, introduce Valipay, you know, get into these partnerships with the likes of, uh, you know, Visa. What are you guys seeing, you know, that's informing all of these, um, you know, different decisions? Because um, at least from the outside in uh someone might look at a market like South Africa and actually wonder you know how much volume is actually happening in a in a in a smallish market like south africa
1: Yeah, so let me start with the the last part of your question there and or or comment um and just provide some detail so i mean am looking at my screens right now and I can say you know in the last twenty four hours we have processed you know well over two hundred million rand in trading volume in the last twenty four hours. And it's we're we're probably about 60-70% of the market, of the exchange market in South Africa. So we're definitely the largest player there. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of RANDs that are being traded every single day. A lot of these trades are, are based on you know, professional traders that are buying and selling and using what's called the API application programming interface, which is algorithmic trading. So there's a lot of institutional players that are that have got all sorts of trading strategies. This is what they do for a living effectively, um, finding opportunities within the market to trade. Then you do have individuals and also corporates and corporate treasuries that are buying cryptocurrencies to buy and hold. And you know, that goes a little bit into your gold uh, case scenario where people are saying, you know, we, we want to have uh, something of value that can, we can depend on over time, even though there might be short-term volatility. And then you have people that are arbitragers, which are looking at differences between prices of different platforms, whether it's local or international, and then are providing a very important service to kind of close such gaps, such that there's an efficient market for for buyers and sellers uh, in in all of the markets that they trade on. So those are kind of some of the different, I would say, uh, types of of people that are, are trading on the platform. When, when you look at kind of the use, coming back to your question about the use, uh, you know, in traditional economics, when you think about money, uh, money serves three purposes. The first purpose is a store of value. The second purpose is a means of exchange. And the third purpose is a unit of account. Uh, and the unit of account is basically just means, you know, it's w- what you can price something in, you know, w- what you can count something monetarily, uh, in, in a in a common currency that you can kind of, you can say, okay, well, you know, a, a loaf of bread costs twenty rand, and uh, you know, a car costs you know several hundred thousand rand, as an example. So, if you look at those three different uses for money, I think the world is still in that first use case, which is to say, is this thing a store of value, right? And if you look at it over its its the course of its life, it's obviously appreciated a tremendous amount but it's been very volatile. And I think if you look at what's going on in the market, which is your largest asset managers in the world that are coming and wanting to list ETFs, of Bitcoin ETFs, and providing the ability for all of their you know, thousands or millions of customers globally to be able to access this asset class, I think there's definitely, I think the case that this is not a store of value, I think is slowly dissipating right? The second thing about whether it's a means of exchange, yes, Bitcoin is volatile. Yes, uh, you know Ethereum and the other cryptocurrencies are volatile. And it's very difficult to have a very volatile currency to be used as a means of exchange or a unit of account. But what we've also seen is this concept of stable coins. So you have cryptocurrencies that are backed by fiat currencies like the dollar. And so while they maintain their stability, they can be transferred across distances or globally much quicker and much cheaper than the traditional financial system. So we're seeing a lot uh, globally, uh, a big pickup of of the stablecoin industry. And we're talking about, you know, probably close to $100 billion worth of stablecoins in existence out there um, that are being traded and being used for different purposes um, within that stablecoin realm. The unit of account thing is something that will come f- much further down the line, is, is my view. We're, we're not at the, at, the, at, the, at the place in society where we can you know, price things in Bitcoin and keep it at that price over time because of the volatility, although people are starting to try to do that. But this is a journey. So across those three aspects of what we can tr- traditionally view as money, I think there's been tremendous amount of progress within the cryptocurrency space on all three
0: and there certainly has been a lot of progress like you said um i think about the the example that you gave just now um there is a lot of excitement right now around uh, you know more and more etfs um you know coming on coming on board that are, that are crypto based um, you know, just as a way of, uh, I guess, imbuing um, some confidence in the in the asset class that seems to be doing, you know, quite a quite a lot uh, to bolster sentiment. I'm also just thinking, um, you know, around the fact that it does seem to now be a little bit more normalised in the way that people are. I guess approaching and talking about um cryptocurrencies as a whole so certainly uh a much better place uh, you know to be in but in that right as much as there's all this progress um we do seem to find ourselves in a an interesting place of crosswinds and i'm just keen to get your sense now um uh, the fact that on one side you've got you know your formal institutions uh coming out with uh you know products that are crypto based um you know you have the likes of visa you know um visa is a very interesting one to me because i remember we actually had them on this platform once upon a time uh it was more than 2 years ago and at the time they were saying that um, they were at that time they weren't they were saying that we're not going to get into um cryptos ourselves, but we see that there's a huge potential in this market, and we're going to partner we're going to find ways to make sure that we have some type of adjacency relationship or coexistence with this because we think that it's huge um so even early on, you could see that there was um you know um I guess a view that this thing, you know, does have a future. And we seem to be realizing that. But at the same time, uh some of the scandals do continue to go because you and I are talking you know at the time when Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX are in court right now and that does something you know to to sentiment and confidence so just talk to me about i, I guess those tensions that we have in the market huge confidence on one side but also a couple of things happening you know on the other side that may work to, you know to reduce some of that confidence in the market
1: Great question. So a few days ago, I think two days ago, uh, a gentleman by the name of Larry Fink, who is the BlackRock CEO, and they're the largest asset manager in the world. So this individual, Larry Fink, probably is one of the preeminent voices in finance globally. And he came out to say that crypto will play that type of role as a flight to quality. Now, what does that mean for people that don't understand that statement? Flight to quality. Generally, when there's turbulence in the financial system globally in the world, I'm not just talking about crypto. I'm just talking about the the, the broader financial system. What you see is that the that people uh, or or uh, asset managers or financial managers they 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 basically there's a flight to quality, which means they put their assets where they think that there's there's good uh, quality and good um, ability to store one's value uh, away from the challenges and turbulences that one sees within the world. And so they're trying to preserve their capital, preserve their value. So the fact that Larry Fink comes out, comes out to say that crypto is going to be a, uh, play a role as a flight to quality kind of signifies what some of the largest minds and the biggest names in finance are talking about this asset class. And to say it's still early days, we're, gonna, we're, we're heading in that direction. I mean, you got to remember, Mudiva. Uh, I mean, this industry was being laughed at uh, just a few years ago, right? Um, where people thought that this is totally crazy. This is like magic money created on the internet, etc. So that discourse has changed a tremendous amount to start to 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 be at a stage now where the loudest voices in finance or the most important voices are actually talking about this as a quality asset and. And the other assets, by the way, when people talk about flight to quality, they're talking about, you know, U.S. Treasury bonds, which are which are probably have been perceived over the last few decades as the most safe asset, as an example. So, so that discourse has definitely changed. Now, have there been frauds uh, and scams in this space? Absolutely. And unfortunately, the fraudsters and the scamsters are... Uh, hard at work always, regardless of kind of what industry, whether it's property, whether it's FX, whether it's crypto, uh, you know, mobile money, you name it, right? And so we've had our fair share of, of fraudsters uh, using the cryptocurrency space and the name of it, because it's new and it's, it's misunderstood and not well understood, to take advantage of people's ignorance, Right, So there are a lot of people that don't understand the space. They think it is a get-rich-quick scheme. Fraudsters are quickly to, are quick to pounce on that, and then, unfortunately, there's damage done to those victims. Then there's also the likes, as you talked about. Obviously, Sandbank and Fried is in court right now. The verdict will come out, but there, there seems to be a lot of indication that there was a lot of uh, uh, inappropriate – let me just leave it at that – inappropriate behavior and inappropriate actions – and if which are which are true are completely inappropriate and and that has done a great disservice to our our industry, particularly because FTX was an exchange like valor is an exchange, and so uh, you have one bad apple here that was kind of you know with one of the largest exchanges in the world that made some very bad decisions, potentially malicious decisions, potentially just fraudulent decisions. Uh, to be determined you know, in the court case. Um, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the industry is like that. So uh, just a very quick example is we all know in South Africa what happened with Steinhoff, right? Large uh, uh, corporate was doing very well, was very valued very high. Obviously, there was a fraud that took place there. The stock crashed and people lost uh, billions of rands, all right? We don't say because of Steinhoff stocks do not have any value or stocks in general are a scam. It just happened that there was a fraudster that was behind this that led to that particular stock uh, and that particular entity um, not doing what they should have done and not having the integrity that they should have had. And we we deal with the same things in, in crypto. So uh, it's an unfortunate reality of of, of life that the, that fraudsters and scamsters exist. I don't think they will go away. Um, but we need to educate the public so that they don't fall victim to these issues, and it doesn't cause a veil for them to actually see what the what the true and huge potential of cryptocurrencies offers for the world.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting, you know, space uh, to be in, um, and I like the Steinoff example that you gave. Yes, you can have um, you know one or two bad apples, but that's not indicative of uh i guess the state of the market as a whole and hopefully um the public um is also reading the situation in the same light um because going forward you know uh people are still you know grappling with you know where do they put their money and all of that and if we have reached a stage where we're saying that uh, cryptocurrencies are finally mainstream um then um people should be working rather to bolster uh the asset class as a whole because the more people that you have invested in the space, then the bigger must be the guardrails or at least the protections, um, you know, that you put in place to actually make sure that firstly, uh, people's money and wealth is protected in the market and then secondly, to make sure that confidence is upheld because at the end of the day, it's confidence, um, confidence and perception, um, you know, that uh, moves the markets up and down. Um, So anything, you know, that can be done to continue continue to at least uh, bolster expectations on the side of positivity. Um, You know, we hope that it's going to be, you know, a good thing. Fazam, before we let you go, your outlook just uh, around uh, your sector. What are you looking at? Um, what what's exciting you? Are you, you know, part of the band camp that thinks that uh, Bitcoin will reach five hundred thousand? Are there any other coins that you are particularly interested in? Um, you know, what are you what are you keeping an eye on, or what do you think others should be keeping an eye on?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time for the world um, in the cryptocurrency space. It's also a very sad time for the world, given all the conflicts that are happening in the world. So I think the world is in a state of tremendous change and tremendous flux. Uh, And what that means is I always say you can't look at cryptocurrencies in isolation and this cryptocurrency asset class in isolation. You always have to juxtapose it against the traditional financial system. And I think the traditional financial system has a lot of skeletons in the closet. And I think we will see uh, over the next few years, as we have seen in the last few years, where central banks are going to be uh, you know, put to work and it's going to be difficult to keep fighting inflation and we're going to have uh, uh, conflicts that require more money. and uh, And I'm hoping that those conflicts get resolved sooner rather than later, by the way. But the reason that I bring all of this up is that we view ourselves at Valor as helping to build a financial system that recognizes the oneness of the human race. So we're here actually to, to build a step change in our system. So when you talk about kind of what my views are about the price and the future, uh, quite frankly, I think there will, there will come a time potentially in my lifetime uh, that the US dollar does not even exist. Uh, that currencies that are associated with the nation state are a thing of the past. You know, a hundred years ago, currencies weren't associated with the nation state. They were actually issued by individual banks. Now the concept of individual banks issuing their own currency is, is, is a crazy notion, but that's how the world used to be. And I think in the future, we'll look back to say, wow, countries used to actually issue their own currency. That is a crazy notion. And if that is indeed a crazy notion and an asset class like crypto assets becomes much more mainstream, so that it is a store of value, a means of exchange, a unit of account. Then we're not even talking about in time a five hundred thousand dollar price. It's it's going to be even much higher than that, you know, in time. So uh, that that's kind of I'll leave you with that, with just some food for thought. I do just want to just I think it's always important that there's a lot of volatility. And what I always say I do not give it financial advice. I'm not licensed to do so. But my opinion is the fact that despite my views, if one doesn't have enough money uh, to lose, like if you there's a certain amount of money that you're not willing to lose, it is very risky to put it into the cryptocurrency space because of the volatility. So I'm definitely not advocating that everybody should say, Oh, this is the next thing. And let's put all our money into it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about a macroeconomic phenomenon that says over time, it is uh, it's very inconceivable to me to see uh, how Cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin cannot uh, soar in value given the constraint of supply and what I see will be a tremendous amount of demand in the future.
0: Well, on that uh, very honest bombshell, that's where we end off uh, today's uh, conversation. I uh, really appreciate uh, you know some of the views for today. Um, you know, great conversation, just getting a view of what uh, cryptocurrency is looking like as an asset class, and you know the type of uh, activity um, that we are seeing um, in the South African market and also the utility that is now being derived on a day to day basis, uh, you know, albeit. Um, movement from uh, the spectrum of uh, it just being a store of value uh, but also now having you know some utility as a medium of exchange. But one of the things that Fazam is just uh, mentioning at the moment and I guess admitting to is the fact that uh, because of the volatility that's characterized cryptocurrencies as a whole, we have not yet um, evolved to a place where we can reliably um, you know, use uh, crypto uh, particularly the likes of bitcoin as a uh, as a as a unit of account basically how you know pricing uh something you know against uh, cryptocurrencies so going forward it will be interesting to see uh does the market mellow out and we see a little bit more stability or do we continue uh to have a market that is characterized by that um, by that volatility um, going forward and also the use cases that people Will be having you know from a medium of exchange point of view. How is that discussion going to evolve? Obviously, you're seeing big fund managers. I think uh, the the rise of the ETFs, uh, the fact that the likes of Larry Fink are backing uh, cryptocurrency is going to do a lot uh, to imbue that confidence um, you know in the market. And we'll be waiting to see what that means and how others are going to take um, I guess the that precedence, and you. Know, apply it to themselves, particularly when you look at the institutional uh, fund managers and that type of thing. And uh, just ending off there, uh, you know, that last thought that Fazam mentioned around the fact that we might not see the existence of even a US dollar at some point in the future. I think that's something that we can definitely get him back on to discuss. Um, you know, he certainly seems to be on the side of uh, decentralized finance, and I think that's certainly a conversation that we can have sometime in the future and, uh, you know, unpack uh, quite extensively. So that's been it. We're in conversation um, with, uh, with Fazam Asani, who is uh, Vala's uh, co-founder and CEO. Fazam, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Great pleasure. I look forward to our future chats.
0: And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live that's under the podcast business day spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Costs, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.